Welcome everybody, I'm Jared, he's DJ, and this is Number One Bullshit. Dude, I gotta say. Worst card of all time? <laughs> yeah, worst card I think I've ever watched. That legitimately, and I know there's always like recency bias, and I'm not a big uh, hyperbole type person, but that is one of the all-time great cards, uh, at least in, in the time I've been watching. Yeah, no, we're not talking about main cards. All-time great cards, dude. What a fucking card, man. Dude, start to finish, you had upsets of big prospects. Yep. You had big prospects doing what they're supposed to. You had four fights stopped in under a minute. <laughs> You had the ultimate, one of those being the ultimate storybook ending to one of the great careers in the sport period. You had an all-time great title fight. You had the brilliance of an all-time great fighter just showing their dominance. Uh, The arrival of a new title contender, right? I mean, just amazing, amazing card. I know we were texting back and forth all night about it i'm texting my brother like i it was it was tough watching that like by myself yeah uh, just because like i was so amped up about everything going on and you know what's crazy the car was so good that until the pantoja fight i was like this is a car we need to be in like together watching you know like i was so (laughs) into it i was like god this would have been such a fun card to like just talk shit with you side by side um i know you're visiting family but it was like this is the one you know if there was one this was the one dude and so many times the cards that look great on paper don't always pan out and some of the cards that don't look great on paper do right i'm thinking about 289 the canada card where it was like on paper it's kind of iffy but the actual card was fucking amazing dude right and here we have the rare amazing card on paper and it delivers i just i Jack Della Maddalena was supposed to be fighting Sean Brady. We were supposed to have a welterweight like prospect of prospects fight. I might have passed out. Yeah, like, when, if when you, you add that to the card. When you texted me that last night, I forgot about that fight just because like it wasn't on the card. I was like, oh, yeah, that's too much, man. It was just too, it would yeah. been too much. It would have been like the time I saw Parliament Funkadelic live and the guitar player just passed out from too much <laughs> funk and they had to like carry him off the stage. Right. It would have been the same thing. It happens. Yeah, yeah. Gets too funky sometimes. Yeah, dude. Um, but the the fight I want to jump into is not the main event. Co-main, uh, Moreno ver- versus Pantoja. I mean, holy shit. Pantoja came out exactly like he kind of had portrayed he was going to, right? Just kind of like an F this dude. I'm, I'm walking you down. Uh, the aggression was there. But Moreno looked good. He was firing off that jab. He was keeping him at distance. Um, but I thought, you know, Pantoja... He had him hurt. It looked like he was going to put him away early in the first round. Um, And then it looked like he totally blew his wad. And round two, Moreno just took over, right? I mean, he complete momentum that one over. Yeah, complete momentum shift. And I was like, this is why they do champions. You know, that's why he's the champion. And then Uh, then the fight just didn't end, dude. It was like Pantoja looked like, okay – you know, he even had that look on his face like, I'm getting beat up. But you can just tell, like, his willpower is like, you know, he did take a lot of shots. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, round two, it was... 
it, it was just a complete momentum shift. And then round three comes back and you're like, what the fuck is this fight? <laughs> yeah, momentum swings again. It was just a big pendulum. I The Pantosha looked broken at one point, right? He yep. looked exhausted. There was a point where Moreno was just popping the jab, snapping his head back repeatedly. And Pantoja was just winging these hooks. And it just looked like it was out of frustration, right? But ultimately what happens is he clips him. And all of a sudden, the, the momentum shifts again. I mean, the number of back and forths. I remember thinking last night going into the fifth round, Moreno needs a stop here because I thought it was arguably 3-1 with uh, Pantoja getting round four. Uh, none of the judges agreed with me. Uh, yeah, none of them agreed with me. None of them gave him round four. But going into that, it was like, all right, Moreno needs a, a finish here. But then you get to the end of fight. It's like, well, maybe not. Y- you know, maybe round three round four those could they were so razor close you know to me the only definitive rounds were one and two and then obviously the fifth round there wasn't as much action in that round uh but like there was those other two three and four to me were up in the air kind of rounds yeah so here's the weird thing right like 49 46 moreno just feels wrong it just feels wrong right um, I had the same feeling as you where it's like, God, you know, like Moreno has to stop him. I, I, I had a three, one going into the fifth as well for Pantoja, mm. but same feeling. Um, but for some reason, like this isn't controversial to me. This, this is the right person won. It just feels like after the fights done, you're like, I just feel like Pantoja won. He did enough to win. Mm-hmm. Um, if the scorecards would have been split decision for Moreno, I wouldn't be upset. But you just kind yeah. of feel you kind of feel like yeah, Pantoja did enough on this fight. He just has yeah, his it's number, one of those man. Yeah, he really does. Really does. And there's despite how good that fight was, how close it is, you can't run it back, right? It's three oh Pantoja at this point. Not unless you're Dana White. Like Dana White's thing. <laughs> well his, the, he was asked and he's like, you know, the problem with that is is the Moreno Figueredo. It is such a good fight. He's like, who doesn't want to see the fight again? I'm going to say me next. I don't want to see that fight again next. Yes. But let's be real, Jared. They match that up for their next matchups. We're both going to be like, okay. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like it's someone, yeah, it's yeah. not that I'm not going to watch it. Yeah, I, I don't uh, want to uh, see an immediate title rematch. Um, I don't think yes. Moreno was is like, is your Izzy, is your Volk that deserved like an immediate title shot. But God yeah. damn, what a good fight. And it's like, okay, I'll watch it again. <laughs> watch it again. Yeah. I mean, realistically, this was his first title defense against not Figueredo. Yeah. Right. Yep. Because the Kai Car France was an interim belt. Like, so this was his first title defense and he lost it. Yeah. The that in 125 is way too stacked. There, there's way too many people like right on the precipice for them to to keep it clogged up again after having a quadrilogy you know um don't envy judges at all no. for having to score fights like that or the the turner hooker fight which we'll talk about a, in a bit but i wouldn't want to score that one either i mean that's that's tough work um this is an, an all-time great fight though the, this is one that like when your buddy you know your buddy who's first getting into mma oh what should i watch well this is one of them yeah you know th- this is up there with this might even be kind of the new Stefan Bonner, Forrest Griffin, you know, a little different because they're obviously much smaller. Yeah. Uh, but the level of technique that was being displayed, the huge shifts, and then ultimately the I mean, I almost teared up freaking Pantoja at, at the end where he's talking about his absent father and like, are you proud of me now? 
Like, I was like, like I mean, oh what, a, what, a, what a gangster thing to say. I mean, for real, though, like someone that has four kids of his own, right? You can mm-hmm. tell he's trying to be an active father. And like that feeling, I, I don't have that experience. You don't have that experience of like having an absent parent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, maybe listen to people that I know, but that it's a powerful thing for people to be like, are you, and it's like, whoa, dude. And I mean, like mm-hmm. to, to finish off, win the belt, like really show love to his team, his family, and then be like, dad, you shouldn't have left. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. oh, I mean, yeah, it was like, all right, you, you got, you, you just made a shit ton of fans. Just a shit Yeah. I mean, it's, it's wild to think about because here is the pinnacle of his professional career, right? Everything he has worked his life for. And it's obviously has such an impact on, they still feels the, like he feels the need to call him out. Yep. Right. Like that's, yeah, that like legitimately like started tearing up saying that, that, once again, one of the amazing things about sport UFC, like just the the emotion that goes into it, right? Like you can tell that was it. It's been a driving force in this dude's life, let alone his professional career. Um, and I'm I'm sure there was some kind of release, some catharsis from that of being able to, you know, accomplish his dream and on the biggest stage, kind of say, "What now, Dad?" Yep. You know, uh, awesome. the biggest stage on. I mean, we still have August, September, October, but maybe on the best card of the year. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. this, 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 if a card beats this card, it's, I, we, you might actually pass out. We won't have a yeah, podcast I, the next day. You'll be hospitalized, <laughs> you know? Yeah. It's insane. I can't imagine a card passing this one up. Uh, I, I hope it does. Yeah, <laughs> you know, that, that'd me be too. awesome. Uh, but moving forward for both guys, uh, I'm actually going to talk about Pantoja first, just because the guy that weighed in as the alternate here was Brandon Royval, right? My man, raw dog but I don't think he gets the next title shot now because he already fought Pantoja. Pantoja finished him. It, I mean, it was a typical Roy Val fight with crazy scrambles and all that, but there was Pantoja clearly like won the fight, finished it, you know? And so I don't think Roy Val gets the next shot sucks for him. At least he got his show purse for this, for weighing in. Uh, So then as far as next contenders, People currently in division, you have Amir Albazi, right? He did come out and say he was going to wait uh, for a title shot. Now, you know, his biggest win and really only big win is against Kaikara France. Yep. And that was a very arguable call on the decision I agree. on that one. But he won. Um, but he got he, the dub, right? Yeah, got the dub. Yep. Ultimately, like, he, he has that win on his ledger now. Uh, he's the next highest ranked guy outside of... You know, Moreno, and then the other guy that I want to talk about, Davison Figueredo, right? Figueredo has said, multi, he said he was going up to 135, then all of a sudden he was supposed to be on this card fighting Mono Cop, which just another one, Jesus. Um, <laughs> but uh, so that fight fell through. There's rumors of Figueredo once again moving up to 135 to fight uh, Dominic Cruz, but Figueredo holds a win over Pantoja. Yep. Right, so now is that a Brazil card? Throw that on there. You have those two guys fight. Uh, will be interesting to see ultimately what they end up doing. And then the you know you touched on kind of the thing in the background is what if they run this one back yeah. just because it was such a great fight. You know there there's a lot of options out there. I would like to see Moreno fight Royval next. Yeah, I think that I mean you have to right because Moreno while. I don't want to see him get a media title shot. Like, he still needs to fight. His next fight needs to be for a contender spot, whatever. Yeah, um, and I think you're you're running some risk if you do Figueredo 
Pantoja and you have Moreno fight Albazi. Because you could have Moreno pick off one of your top contenders, but then if I mean heck if Figueredo wins, you can't run back Moreno Figueredo again. Well, you know well, that's that's the problem with uh Figueredo Pandoja is whoever wins, you're like, fuck, we gotta put him against Moreno uh, well, that, again. You well, know? that's why you you have Albazi yeah. waiting in the wings. Yeah. Or Moreno Royval. You know, if Royval beats Moreno, give him the, the rematch against Pantoja if he wins or give him Figueredo. So, yeah, I, I think what's going to make the most sense for the UFC is if Figueredo goes back to 125 and they do Figueredo-Pantoja rematch, throw that on a Brazil card, that's that's big money. Yeah, because I don't know if I want to watch Figueredo-Cruz because I just feel like... I mean, I know Figueredo's going up, but, I mean, oof, I feel like that's... And I'm a huge Cruz fan, but I feel like that's a problem for him. <laughs> I feel like that's a yeah, problem. Yeah, and and Cruz's whole thing has been speed and movement, and Figueredo fighting at 125 is dealing with that. He's dealing with it in somebody like Brandon Moreno, who, you know, very different herky-jerky style, but has, you know, kind of some of the awkward head movement and very quick. I just don't see – yeah, I don't see that playing out well for Dom. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I don't – I don't like that fight. I mean, if I'm dumb, I'm I'm like, just give me Cody Garbrandt again. We're both on the ass end of our careers, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. it's it's one of those things. Like, let me get my win back, and uh, maybe maybe Garbrandt still Garbrandt and he's chin whatever. But yeah, but they got Garbrandt against Mario Bautista, I and I think I Bautista is gonna fuck him up. I hope so. <laughs> and then in in the main event, because oh yeah, we have arguably as long as John Jones is in the game we can't say it but arguably the best pound for pound fighter uh in the world defending his title after that Marino Pantoja fight I was like I can't believe we now we get to see Volk fight right we get to see excellence now after this and the crazy thing is this fight was amazing but like you just had the fight of the night the fight of the year happened beforehand Mm -hmm. so it just seemed a little slower right um but Volk man god damn it Dude is He's so good. Dude, I mean, to take him down and just completely control him, just completely control mm-hmm. him. But on the feet, it was like, God, I mean, Yair's doing some stuff, keeping him at distance, and then third round, right? Yeah, I, I think the, you know, the, the thing was, Volk got hurt. Yeah, right. In round two, before he won the rest of the round. I mean, he got stung, and you saw him kind of buckle a little bit, mm-hmm. which, which we haven't seen a ton uh, against Volk. The And then I thought Yair was kind of taking over in the third round up until that finishing sequence, yep. right, where he starts, he's throwing all those kicks, and they're starting to connect. You see, you know, because Volk's one of those people that kind of gives the the nod when he gets hit of like, yeah, yeah you yeah, caught you me. me. Yeah. Uh, and, and it was happening a lot in the third round, and it was like, oh, my God, like this might be turning. And then he, you know, clips him, stung him, and it was like with that that right hook, and it was like, okay, that's you know, totally changed it. It almost reminded me of Moreno Kaikar France in their fight where Kai was kind of taking over, and then the liver shot happened, and then you know, fight over, and we remember it as oh my god, he dominated him, you know, and and I think it was something very similar here where Volk put on an amazing display wrestling like we have not seen from him before in an offensive capacity obviously we saw great defensive grappling against islam but all of a sudden it kind of started to turn in that third round a bit and 
Volk was like, you know, hold my Vegemite. Like we're we're bringing this, and just well, I mean, brutal finishing sequence. But how much was the headbutt involved in that? Right, because it did yeah. a headbutt did happen, and then hard, and then a punch happened that changed the whole fight. Right, so yeah. how much does it? How much does it affect? Um, you know, you'd like to say, yeah, yeah, you look good, but you don't know, you know, because mm-hmm. you got to have a poker face. You can't act like you're uh, hurt because then I'm going to attack you. So there was a headbutt. Um, I'm not saying that changed the fight, but it did happen before yeah. the stand-up changed for Volk, right? Um, yes. Regardless, yeah, clean shot, and Yair kind of looked at him like, all right, you got me. But the difference was is when Volk got got, he was still – had his feet and it was ready yeah. when Yair got got it was like I'm hurt so uh yeah and and I love the you know get him against the cage combo and then just scoop him up I'm like god he's so yes. it's it's like instead of just head hunting he's like I'm gonna put you down it was like dude that that finishing sequence and just the barrage of punches you want to see like someone that looks violent and crazy that's it that's it yes yeah he had him against the cage Worked the body a couple shots, then went back to the head, then went for the takedown. I mean, just the whole thing. You talk about fight IQ. Yep. You talk about having your wits about you in the cage. He is. I mean, if John Jones had retired after the the two, you know, when he was done at two oh five, I don't think there's a question about pound for pound yeah. best right now. Yeah. Yeah. You know, okay. Islam and they fought, but there's there's a definite weight discrepancy. Sure. Uh, what we are seeing here reminds me of a. Mighty Mouse, it, it just uh, a John Jones of that. Like this is the game at the highest level, and we're very fortunate to be able to see it. And I, I one thing that makes me laugh every time, I always forget that Volk comes out to Man Down Under. Yeah, every time it starts playing, it makes me smile. Every, every I, I always forget to. Um, yeah, it, it's funny as shit. Uh, speaking on Volk again too, it's like, it's like you. You mentioned it uh, maybe Friday. I don't. I don't know. Sometime uh, earlier this week, and you're like, I don't really see an avenue for Yair. And you know, out of that's out of complete respect, where you, but you just don't see it. And even with Yair keeping him at distance, and Volk looked like he was having a hard time closing the distance. Mm-hmm. It's like you just have this feeling like he's gonna figure it out. And when he does, it's like, I mean, <laughs> that killer instinct. It, it's it's so fun to watch Volk because he's so confident. It's like he knows. Um, he was in the back watching Hooker like win yeah. and like get all excited, and you're just like this guy's just on a different wavelength. And then kind of, you know, Ilya Taporia talking shit. You're like, dude, you're not ready for this guy yet, yeah. man. You're just not. I, I mean, maybe, but you're not ready for this guy yet. Yeah, I do. And that kind of takes me to the next thing is, what's next for Volk? He he very openly said he wants another crack at the 155 belt. Yep. Uh, Dubronk said he's not going to be ready to fight in Abu Dhabi and they're going to want to put Islam on the Abu Dhabi card. Volk also did say, though, he needs to get surgery on his arm. So my thought was that was kind of the avenue of if Dubronk didn't take the fight against Islam at Abu Dhabi, that's Volk's way to kind of sneak in there. But if he's getting surgery on his arm, will he be ready by then? I don't think so. That wouldn't be smart. Volk right? already you're said gonna he's get ready. One more chance. Yeah, Volk already said he's ready. He said, ready. he said, I'm not out here. He's like, there's not many people like me doing what I do. Um, he's like, and he shouted out Izzy. Um, he was like, I'm telling you, I'm ready for that fight in October. It's like, okay, well, whatever mm. surgery you need, you know better than anybody, but he said he's ready. Um, yeah. I don't know, man. I don't yeah. know. I mean, the only other fight at this point is Tapuria. 
right? Yeah. But I, I just don't think he's ready. No. Right? You know, I think now 145 is going to be very exciting. There's a lot of very good fighters there. And after Volk either moves up to 155 permanently or calls it a career, whatever that looks like, you know, now you're looking at Yair versus Taporia. You know, you have all these really exciting, really good matchups. Um, I just, I don't think the Taporia fight, like we just saw that in Taporia is very different than Yair, but we just saw the young killer, you know, come up and he, you know, not trying to be disrespectful. He got put in his place, yep. right? Like there, yeah, you clip me. Yes, you know, you were landing strikes, but there's levels. This is very different. And at the end of the fight, you know, Volk had the one cut from the elbow and then the one that he had on his face from, you know, training camp. Yep. But, I mean, Yair was beat up. Yep. Beat up. And and we're seeing Volk has kind of done the opposite of what a lot of champions do because a lot of these long-reigning champions, they get in there, and as their reign goes on, they become more conservative, right? It's more about not taking damage and, hey, it's cool. I'm going to win rounds and keep my belt. And Volk has become more of just brutalizing people. I mean, you look at like what he did to to Zombie, right? What he just did to Yair. Like he's he's out there on a mission to hurt people yep. still. And and I think that makes him a little different well, than you, than some of these other long reigning champs. You also do have one potential matchup for Volk, which is uh, Sterling, right? That that mm-hmm. is that is a future thing yep. that if Sterling is if this this is his last fight win or lose against O'Malley, if he comes up just give him the title shot he's bigger I mean like imagine Sterling Sterling's gonna look huge he's gonna look huge yeah. against a guy that he's in a lower weight class too um, that could be like a potential thing to get Taporia another fight right maybe mm-hmm. get like a little because right now you're right and in Taporia's last fight if that same scenario happens where he gets tagged by Volkanovski, Volkanovski doesn't stop. Like, it's different. You know, Volkanovski's not a 145-pounder. He's a 300-pounder. <laughs> it cuts weight, you know. He's huge. He's strong. Um, you know, even the commentators are talking about it. Fighting Islam probably made him stronger, um, mm-hmm. and that's scary. Oh, so he was already Terrifying. strong, and now he's stronger. Okay, so so Sterling is a potential, you know, like, we don't want to yeah. talk about him until he makes the decision, but Sterling gets an automatic shot, right? He gets an automatic title shot? I, I would think so. Yeah. I yeah I you know you don't move up to go fight a contender fight it's not it's not the old days right it's not where like Anderson Silva dominating moves up to fight James Irvin yeah, right exactly. like the, yeah. those days just aren't here anymore like if you're a champ and you're moving up you're it's either for a big money fight you know and I don't know how many big money draws there are yeah. still in the game uh or or a title shot yeah. and so yeah I think if he goes up it's a title shot and speaking of title shots my man who apparently does not like doorbells because he still knocks Drickus Duplessis. Uh, that that win over Robert Whitaker. Oh, I, we haven't seen that done to Whitaker. Nope. Right. I mean, Izzy put him out yeah. for sure, but he didn't. He didn't bully him. Yeah, I guess in the and second again, round, it's a stylistic their, thing. Yeah, the but, second round of their first fight, like after he almost knocked him out before the bell. After that, it was a complete bully. Mm-hmm. Um, but Duplessis just a goofy style dude that I mean I, I'm not going to speak on his cardio you know he made a big deal about his cardio but it's like we didn't mm-hmm. have enough time right I mean against Whitaker sure your heart rate's going up but mm-hmm. um yeah I mean Whitaker I was pulling for Whitaker um mm-hmm. and you're like both oh. picked him both wrong yeah I was like oh my god dude like this is insane this is insane like 
this guy earned it and who's not excited about seeing the trash talk that's already happened Duplessis beating Whitaker I mean good for him dude good for him oh yeah that, I mean that performance because initially it was like okay Whitaker's gonna Whitaker he's kind of in and out point fighting you know keeping that distance but when he kind of hurt him towards the end of the the first round totally different fight at that point when you saw Whitaker stand up at the end of the round he kind of had that look in his eyes of like oh shit like this is not yeah i can't figure this it is out. different than what i anticipated yep. you know um and the i mean he dropped him or hurt him badly with a jab he, you know i mean duplessis has special that fight changing power that we talk about where he might not put you out one punch but every time he's connecting you see a reaction Yep. You see it change the demeanor of the person he's fighting. Uh, it's it's going to be really, really fun. They're, I mean, they haven't announced it, but they kind of announced it, they right? Announced Izzy it. versus uh, versus old DDP in uh, Australia. That's UFC 293. Now, I kind of feel for Duplessis here because and it's not like he got hurt in this fight or anything, but this was the biggest fight of his career. Yep. Right. He had not faced anybody remotely close to this talent level. His biggest win prior to this was Derek Brunson, right? Which no disrespect to Brunson. He was 39 years old at he the time of the fight. Too. Yeah, Brunson he was. Yeah. End of his career. Right. This was a huge step up in competition. Duplessis passed the test with flying colors. But now you're talking about turning around on eight weeks. And I don't know the length of his camp. But most people, I feel like it's in that eight to 12 week range. Yep. So now you're having to go from this massive high to like, all right, we're back on the grind immediately to be able to get a camp in place. He is so big. How much is a second weight cut within that time frame going to affect him? Love the matchup. Super excited for it. Just don't necessarily like that it's happening so quickly. I don't think it is happening. I don't think it's going to happen. Uh, yeah, yeah I, I just don't. You know? I don't think it's going to happen in eight weeks. Um, I mean, Duplessis during the post-fight kind of, he didn't shoot it down and Dana White didn't shoot it down but it just feels so fast and mm -hmm. this is it for Izzy's division right now like if he goes and beats Duplessis and Duplessis wasn't ready then then what's next right you hold mm -hmm. this back I mean don't get me wrong the venue is the perfect venue yeah. but if you if you have this fight and let's just say Duplessis doesn't show up then what's next for Izzy because here's the thing Duplessis looked great I mean mm -hmm. his style is goofy but he he looked yeah. great I don't believe his stand-up is even remotely ready for an Izzy. And, you know, his whole thing is, like, uh, Duplessis was like, if I get Izzy on the ground, it's over. Maybe so, but you got to get Izzy on the ground. He said, once I grab him, it's over. You got to grab him. Izzy's no Izzy's no Whitaker in terms of getting hit. Like, it's different. Um, sure, yeah, you have the high and all that stuff, and, and, and you're, you think you're un, 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 invincible right now. But on eight weeks' notice, you're about to fight for maybe your one time to get a title shot. Mm. I, I wouldn't take it. I wouldn't take it. Yeah, I mean, I'd be like, yeah, and we don't know the like his mentality, right? Sure. We don't know what their camp is like because there's some people that are, you know, that is what they live for, you know, and they don't want the time off, and and that's what they need is that big fight on the horizon to kind of drive them forward. It just kind of feels like if it doesn't pan out to your point, what's next for Izzy? Yeah. But then also there's that built in, I don't want to say excuse, but that like doubt that we have of like, was that the best trick is, exactly. you know, did we get to see the matchup as it should have been? But the UFC does have an issue because it definitely Volk can't 
can't turn around in eight weeks nope. and, and headline that card. And they don't have an Australian to to headline that, you know, from here. So we'll we'll see there. Awesome. It's always fun to see kind of new blood uh, enter a division and and people take advantage of that opportunity. Now, Jalen Turner, Dan Hooker, that fight was, I don't, the scorecards, no one gave Jalen Turner round two, which I don't necessarily agree with. I get the visual at the end of it of the rear naked choke and all that, but you're talking about the last 30 seconds of that round of Hooker kind of taking over. That head kick was unbelievable that Turner landed. I mean, Turner, I thought Turner won that round. Um, can't, you know, is what it is. Like, it was going to be a split decision. It was an amazing fight, close fight. Both guys were hurt in rounds two and three. I think we saw, I think this fight might have put a ceiling on Turner uh, at 155. Who knows at 170 because he is gigantic. Yeah. But I, there was a bit of break to him. Well, right? here's where I'm going to disagree. On round two, I thought the momentum completely once Hooker made it there, I don't think I think it was longer than thirty seconds. I think the thirty second thing is when uh, he actually got him like finally to the ground. Mm-hmm. But he changed. He got kicked in the head, and I think Turner. First of all, the weight cut might have. You know, we we I it oh, yeah. did it did look like Turner got broken mentally, mm-hmm. but it also could just be like whatever went wrong with the weight cut, whatever. But Hooker changed, and it was like he made it real dirty. When he made it dirty, it was. I I remember it being about halfway through the round when he's like, okay, you know, the head kick didn't knock him out, and then Turner's face changed, right? Um, but I think, man, and I think with the way the round ended, I don't always like to say the way the round ends is how the round should be scored, but 10 more seconds, Turner taps. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, five more seconds, Turner taps, right? It's, it's yeah. one of those things where the momentum completely changed. He kicked Dan Hooker in the face, and just because we think it should hurt, it didn't. It didn't affect Hooker like it should affect people, <laughs> you know. Like he didn't, he didn't go down. He kept fighting, so I do agree from my side that that ten nine Hooker on that second, um, and then after that, I mean, yeah, it's it's just like whatever the weight cut was. Yeah, what you said was very important. This might be a ceiling because Dan Hooker's not a championship level fighter in that division, and. And he beat him with a broken arm. I mean, fucking dude had a broken arm. He might be the toughest. He's up there with Marvin Vittori Does as like toughest dude alive. It's crazy. No it's just scratch. He said, yeah, "No pain." Yeah. I, I mean, un- unbelievable just toughness from him. And what does that say for how hard Michael Chandler hits? By the way. Oh my god. <laughs> that, you know that, that Chandler put him away. Um, but yeah, I mean, just I feel for these guys because that. On any other card where you don't have Pantoja Moreno, that's fight of the night. Easy. Right? Easy. <laughs> I mean, that was an, an amazing, amazing fight. Uh, one thing that, and I, it's a trend I've been seeing lately with Mark Smith, the ref, he's really quick to tell people to keep working and he's going to stand it up. Very big difference between that and Jason Herzog in the co-main with Pantoja Moreno. It's I, I don't like it very much uh, just because even the threat of standing it up causes guys to behave differently yep. and put themselves in danger. You know, I, I don't necessarily like that. Plus he was saying it when like Dan Hooker was, was moving, was attacking, like was, was trying to advance position. It wasn't a stall out. 
And that's something I noticed from Mark Smith in, in previous fights in the last few cards. Uh, I don't recall if he's always been that way. I don't think so because it has stood out yeah. in the last few cards. Uh, but yeah, really don't like that. Uh, for both these fighters, though, moving forward, Jalen Turner, uh, it's back to the drawing board, right? Mm -hmm. You might need to move up to 170 where you can you're not going to drain yourself, you know, that horribly. You can put on some more muscle. Dan Hooker, at this point, I think it's about fun fights. You know, he says it's always about the belt. And I think he's going to be one of those people. And you and I, uh, on a phone conversation this last week, kind of talked about it, where he's going to be almost that Robbie Lawler, where if all of the planets align correctly, he might get a title shot. He might win a title but it's going to take a lot of things to happen. And I also think that 155 right now is a bit more of a shark tank than 170 was when all of that happened for Lawler or 185 for Bisping for, for that matter. But that's the type of fighter. I think, I, I think Dan Hooker is, he has the talent, he has the ability, the grit. Cause that's, that's really what it's about. When you look at Bisping, when you look at Lawler, it's that like never, never say die attitude that they have. Dan Hooker has that. I just don't know if it's ever going to align for him because of the way that division is. But speaking of fun fights, I'd watch him fight Rafael Fazeev. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that would be an awesome striking match. There's some built-in animosity just with, uh, you know, the fellow Australian Brad Riddell mm -hmm. having lost to Fazeev. I think that'd be fun. Uh, I know it's fighting down for him, but Hooker versus Moicano would be just a – you know, just bleed, you know, just violence. Same thing with Matt Frivola, right? Matt Frivola's on on a good little run. He's ranked 15 now. You're going to have to give him some people above him. And I think just the the violence between him and Dan Hooker would be absolutely amazing. Yeah, I, I agree with you on that. I, I disagree with you that there's any way that Stars can align that he wins the belt. I just think that, I mean, I think for that to happen, people would have to retire or get out of the division i don't mm -hmm. i don't i don't see him beating the top of the division like i don't see a world where he does but you're right i mean comparing to robbie lawler michael bisming he can do it to where he gets in the conversation i just don't think it'll ever i think when he's had opportunities to have like those fights he's not he's not performed well um yeah. i mean and, but not perform well against people that are killers Dustin poirier michael chandler you know um islam i mean how you how you you're not talking shit about someone losing to Islam, right? I mean, we yeah. we Volk lost to Islam, and they're still calling him the goat. So uh, you don't you don't hold that against him. I just don't see it happening. Yeah, but you know what I do see happening? What? Tell me. I see people going in, hitting that follow button, subscribe, whatever it is on your podcast service of choice, so that way when the F updates drop on Friday night. You're aware, you get notified, you get those. When the full episodes drop Monday morning, you get notified, automatically downloads, so you can have it on the go. Uh, and then also give a like, give a rating, you know, uh, go in there. That can help us bring more people to the party. The more we move up in, in the rankings, uh, the more uh, people will become involved. And that's what we want. And speaking of becoming involved, go over to Twitter, number one BS pod all spelled out go in there we have our friday polls which by the way uh poll people you were wrong and we'll talk about that in a second uh and then also there's some live tweets some some additional content fight picks which uh we'll also talk about that in a second uh our fight pick so go over 
at number one BS pod on Twitter. Do it. So now that you've followed, you have liked, you've subscribed, and you are also following on Twitter, uh, we are going to talk about the prospect of prospects. Uh, Bo Nickel did exactly what he was supposed to, right? I mean, from a winning standpoint, I don't think anyone necessarily expected that type of finish. No, no um, I didn't. He said, he said, y'all forgot I had hands, you bitches. Um, he, <laughs> this is an MMA fight, and I even think, uh, Woodburn was surprised that he got caught. That's what it looked like, yes. right? It looked like I'm expecting this guy to wrestle me, and it's like, no, he punched me. Oh yeah, that's right. We're not in a wrestling match. Um, but if Bo Nickel's gonna keep Bo Nickel in, then you got to give Bo Nickel something, you know. And and Dana White wants to keep moving him slow, but what a performance yeah. from a guy that you know can out wrestle. Now he's got strength. Come, I mean, power in his hands. Come on, come on. Yeah, the. And, and he got touched at one point. You saw early on, and he kind of like made a face at it, like, oh, that's what that feels like, you know, kind of <laughs> kind of face. Uh, but then you saw from Wilburn, when that first one connected, that hook, and he kind of stepped back and, and went straight-legged and was just like, an, oh, shit, yep. like that's different power, right? Yep. But you expect it from somebody who has – you see it from a lot of wrestlers, I think, because they have that core strength from wrestling their whole lives that they might not have the cleanest technique and – yeah, I'm by no means any kind of a striking expert. I'm, you know, obviously his technique was good enough to knock this dude out, yep. uh, but I'm sure there's things he can shore up. But you see that a lot with wrestlers where they don't necessarily have the best striking technique, but they have that touch you and it changes things kind of power. Uh, just amazing. He's he's special, yeah. right? Like the the composure after the fight. Uh, as a dad, you know, loved him announcing that he's going to be a father, and you could kind of hear in his voice a little bit some some emotion there, and uh, just just really cool to see that. I still, as great of a performance as that was, as awesome as that was, I don't think this does anything from the standpoint of proving of moving him along quicker, yep. just because like. He beat a guy who's only ever fought on the Florida regional scene who was going to be on contender series, right? So this is basically another contender series fight yep. for him. So I don't think it's like, oh my God, did you see what he did? Let's go put him against, you know, uh Imovov, you know, Nasruddin Imovov. Like we don't need to see that yet. There's going to be plenty of time for that. I think at least one more fight before you throw him to the top 15 and maybe two. I uh, you know, you could always rebook the Treshawn Gore fight. I don't know if that makes a ton of sense now, just because Gore's going to be out for a while. And and really that was just about kind of getting his, his feet wet a little bit when it comes to like legitimate UFC competition. Uh, Cause he already had the one with Pickett, but Gore was a different type of fighter, but I do think there's a lot of very interesting fights. One of the things that Dominic Cruz talked about uh, on, I think he was with Shab, but he was talking about what's really smart for Nickel is not to be fighting people with a ton more experience. Yeah. Right. Like it's okay to fight up, but just not guys that have 30 fights, you know, fight guys that have 10 fights. And so, kind of along that line, I, a few names that I think would be really good. You have Armin Petrosian, who's coming off a win. Uh, and he's somebody that, you know, has proven to be resilient. I, I think that is, even though it's not like a big flashy name, I think that's a good test for him. Uh, Adolfo Vieira, you know, here's wrestling versus jujitsu. Uh, 
Vieira, even though, you know, kind of similar to Bo Nickel from the standpoint of he has competed at the highest levels in his sport, still a little green within MMA, uh, but is a decent enough name because you're saying, hey, look, he's doing this against a multiple time jujitsu world champion. Yep. So I think that that's a good one. If you want him to fight somebody that has a bit more of a name, that could be a bit more of a threat overall. I do think you still have Phil Hawes in the mix. Could be a very interesting one, one that I ultimately want to see, but I don't think it's the right time or a smart matchup at this point is him versus Kyle Bahalo. And and we had a conversation about this a little. Oh, I, it might have been yesterday. I don't remember when it was yesterday, mm-hmm. day before. Um, I think that if you're going to keep putting this guy on main cards, you have to give him someone main card worthy. I, I hate to say mm-hmm. this, but his matchup wasn't main card worthy to me. You know, feature prelim for sure. But now he's mm-hmm. been on two main cards. <laughs> he's been on two main cards. And if you give him another person that the that's not even ranked or that doesn't really have a name, you're putting him on another main card. I don't see for me, I, I don't know if I'm just being just irrational here. You know, so we I've had time to think about our conversation, and I do agree with you. He does now you just mentioned maybe one or two. Two fights is insane to me. Um but even the one, I'm like, okay, I can get down with that. But you're putting them on another main card, on a pay-per-view main card, right? That's that's what I mean. Mm-hmm. If he's on another pay-per-view main card fighting someone that's not having the same hype as him and stuff just to get another card, I don't see the point. I I, I don't put him on a main card for Fox, sure, uh, or Fight Night. Sorry, I said Fox. Uh, Fight Night. But I don't know. It's a, it's a tough one because you do want to see him come by slow, right? You you do mm-hmm. have this prospect, and it's it's going to be great for the division if he is someone that can be a future champ. Um, but I don't know how you can invest a spot for him on a pay per view main card fighting. Uh, I don't want to say a nobody, but fighting a, a not a big name. You know what I'm saying? So yeah, um, I, I know we're kind of torn on that because I, I agree with you. I want to I, I want to see these people get brought up slow, not boxing slow. I don't want to see boxing slow. Yeah, yeah. You know, thirty but, and zero by the time he fights anybody. Yeah, but I mean, he is doing the boxing model right now, where it's like you're mm-hmm. fighting people that you should be fighting, right? Yep. Um, and you're not winning belts on people you should be fighting is some weird ass thing. But um, <laughs> one more fight. If you give him one more fight and he's on another pay per view main card, and then you give him another fight that's still not ranked, I I don't get the point in it. That's just my opinion. Yeah, see, I think he is like a Sean O'Malley, not from the standpoint, like, obviously two very different people, fighting style, personality, all of that. But from the standpoint that he is a guy that it doesn't necessarily, at this point in his career, doesn't necessarily matter who he's fighting. People will will tune in to watch him. Agree. And so I think think that's why you can get away with putting him on pay-per-view cards without big names as his opponents. Because regardless, people are going to tune in. And so I think that you can... Now, I'm not talking about like three, four fights. But I think if you put him against like an Armin Petrosian on the next one or a Phil Hawes on the next one, and then the following one is one of those right on the edge of the top 15. uh, That's where I see you could do two. And then maybe that next one isn't 11 through 15, maybe his first ranked opponent is between six and 10, you know, but, but I just think that he does enough. He brings enough eyes where you don't, he can carry the matchup from a selling the pay-per-view standpoint and it doesn't need to be that other person. I think you put him up against somebody that might have a bit of a highlight reel that might have, you know, some good experience that when you see it, it's not 
those regional fights that we're seeing with other people. It's not ultimate fighter fights that we're seeing, you know, with the people that he's fighting right now, but maybe somebody that has been on the undercard of a pay-per-view before you just that type of a fighter. I think you can get him one to two because shit, the guy's what five and oh. Yeah. I mean, he's <clears throat> and, and comparing to Sean O'Malley. I mean, I get it right. Sean O'Malley was on, you know, his first pay-per-view was a main card, and then the next one was a prelim, whatever. Mm-hmm. But I think the difference was those cards weren't really that strong. This was mm-hmm. the strongest card of the year. I mean, it performed. It could have been It could have been trash. Who knows? But you're yeah. putting him on strong cards as a, as a contender. Um, at some point, I'm going to want to see him fight to a level where it's like, let me see you be a contender, right? Like, if he's beating people that we think he's already going to beat – um, because even though, uh, was it Woodland was a replacement? We didn't think his Woodburn, other, Woodburn yeah. sorry. We didn't yeah. think that Bo Nickel was going to lose his previous matchup either. Right. Yeah. So it's like, okay, cool. I, I'm, I'm a fan of this guy. I like his personality. Uh, he just seems like, like, he, like he has that, uh, that killer confidence where it's like, I don't need to be cocky, but I know, I know who I am. I love it, yeah. dude. I want to see him fight everybody in the division. And I, yes. I and, and there's that part of me that's like I do want to see him fight like top fifteen, top ten. But yeah. um yeah, his next fight is probably gonna be against someone like this again. But then it's like you're gonna put him on another pay per view. I would like to see some numbers behind his name, uh, like a ranking, because then then we can really invest in like this guy is who we thought he was. I think he is who we thought he was. I think he is who yeah. we think he is, but um but I mean the dude's just showing his personality becoming the total package not just winning on wrestling it's like okay well we have a star now you know like we have a star Mm -hmm. in a division that could use it yeah and i think they've the ufc when they identify their future stars not just future very talented people but stars they do tend to bring them on along a little slower kind of the one exception there being hamzat just because you know they he didn't need to be brought along slowly. Like they couldn't get people to fight him. You know, like the what well, different personality. I think he, he was in here ready to yeah. kill everybody, right? So it was like, no, yeah, right, just prove it. Yeah, and even like even McGregor with how well he talked on the right, like on the come up, he still had you know four or five fights prior to the like you know top name ranked type guys that that he ended up fighting, and yep. and so. But we'll see. Uh, that's part of why we watch. I love, I mean, Bo Nichols now in that, uh, the Jalton Almeidas, the Hamzats, where he's had more fights than significant strikes absorbed. Um, so, you know, just a- amazing. Can't wait to watch this guy fight again. I'll tune in every single time. I mean, if he was, I'm not saying this should happen, but if he was headlining a pay-per-view, I'd still, I'd, uh, I'd buy it. 100%, right? like, yeah, like, he like is, I want to see this guy. Like I said, he is the guy that we think he is. Um, mm-hmm. So... I mean, great. You talk about prospects of prospects. It's the best description yeah. you have of this guy. Oh, yeah. Now we'll go into some other uh, people that kind of made a name for themselves a little bit or, or kind of continued on what the hype trains that they had. Uh, a guy that made a name for himself, uh, Jesus Aguilar, <laughs> that overhand right, you don't see power like that at flyweight a lot. Yeah. And that was scary. His head bounced off the ground so hard. Uh, the... I love the restraint that Aguilar showed, right? Because he could have gone full, oh. full Hendo, and because like, he went, full, he went full Kimflo, and then he could have went yes. full Hendo. Yeah, it was, yes, it was, exactly. it was intense. Yeah, that was awesome to see. Uh, but like, 
that's a person you feel for, right? He didn't get a performance bonus for that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> right? Like, just devastating knockout, no performance bonus. But I'll tune in for his yep. next one because oh. you don't you don't see that at 125 a lot. So awesome to see. Um, Vitor Petrino, not going to talk too much about him. He had that head and arm choke from Mount on uh, Pracnow. He's got work to do, but you see the tools. You see the improvement from his last fight against the pleasure man. Um, but he has obviously crazy power. Every time he was touching him, it was loud. <laughs> you know, oh you saw God. him react. Yeah. Uh, but there, there's clearly holes to the game. Uh, he's somebody who I think is only like eight fights into into his professional career. I think he, they said he turned pro in 2019. I hope they bring him along slowly. Light heavyweight is hurting for young talent though so they might try to rush him but i hope that they don't do him that disservice and they let him get more fights but definitely somebody to keep on your radar you know he probably won't be on a ton of pay-per-views but i could see him starting to move up onto main cards of uh of fight nights you know so uh, somebody to keep an eye on a guy that i was really really excited about and he did what he needed to, but it wasn't the performance I was expecting was Tatsuro Tyra uh, against Edgar Shirez. One thing that impressed me is he's so calm throughout, doesn't rush his positions, doesn't put himself in a bad position with the exception of the very end of the fight where there's, there's a little bit of a scare there, yep. uh, but is just so calm in what he does. I mean, he's throwing those elbows and is like talking to Herb Dean, like, can I do it this way? No, th- this <laughs> yeah. way. Uh, you know, pretty... Good performance. I think we get spoiled a little bit with some of these prospects that are just like running through people. We expect them to keep doing it, but we, we got to remember something. This was relatively short notice fight, right? There's a reason it was at a catch weight of 130, one being short notice plus Tyra cut weight two weeks ago to fight uh, Clay Hudson Rodriguez. So, you know, he did what he needed to do to get the win. It's a rare scorecard of a 29-27 where he lost a round but also had a 10-8 yeah. like unanimously. Uh, but I'll tune in to, to watch him fight next time. If if this was your first exposure to him, a little less exciting than than what we've seen from him in the past. Um, but I also think there was a bit of an unknown with Shirez, uh, you know, just not, not being a guy that's had a ton of experience. Shirez was supposed to be on the Contender Series. Uh, this year, but but took this short nose fight to get into the big show. But but to your point, uh, one thing, yeah, Tyra just seems like his heart rate is always that, like at an eighty. You know, like it just doesn't go mm-hmm. up. But Shirez did what he was supposed to do. You have some guy that everyone's talking about, and uh, yeah, you couldn't, you, you didn't win the first, you you didn't win the second, but you won the third. It's like okay, you know, like I'm in it, I'm in it too. You know, like I'm someone to be talked about. But I mean, 10-8. Lose the next round. Did he get tired? Was it just that you didn't have time? I mean, it's so hard to talk about people that don't have time to game plan for a fighter properly. Mm-hmm. So you don't ever want to like dismiss either side because like you know I didn't have time. You know what? What happens if yeah. I get a full training camp? Maybe it's maybe it's a stoppage instead of just a ten eight. You know? Yeah, and it'll be it'll be interesting to see. I mean, it's not like he really took damage, so you know he could he'll probably get at least one more fight in by the end of the year. Yeah. Uh, so keeping the streak going, doing what you need to do as a 23-year-old prospect. That's insane. Um, he, looked, he looked like a 13-year-old. Yeah, yeah. Lo- looks like a little kid. And speaking <laughs> of 23-year-old prospects, uh, Denise Gomes, you know, I came in here talking about uh, Jasmine Howergy last week, and Gomes said, hey, I'm a, I'm a prospect too here, uh, and she's putting away prospects. She beat Bruna Brazil in her last fight, who was like a highly touted prospect. She lit her up quick from that that first 
there was the overhand that connected, then she threw the left, and then the hook followed up, and just Howergy was hurt. I get why it got stopped, right? Howergy dropped back down to a knee. However, and I don't know if she was just on autopilot. If she was, to me, it's just as impressive, but she was doing all the things that she needed to do. She was working to build the base. She had the leg. She was doing what she needed to do, but you know, Denise Gomes, that that's impressive for a prospect that's that young. Her only loss in the UFC right now is to Loma Lukbunmi, who in herself is a, an amazing prospect. She's a former Muay Thai world champion, and that one went to a decision. You know, and and uh, Gomes' only other loss was when she was an 18 year old in one of her first fights, if not her first fight. So how dare she lose at 18? You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, right. Like think about what you were doing at 18. Yeah, uh, not <laughs> fighting. Well, I, I think with the Gomes, because I, I felt the same way. I was like, good stoppage, bad stoppage. It was yeah. very weird. But I think first of all, she didn't get hit, right? So she homs out it. Yep, she homs out it all over the place. But also, I <laughs> yep. think I think what looked brutal was her hand just on the back of her neck, just punch her in the face. Even though the mm-hmm. person, uh, you know, you're trying to get up, but it's like it looks optically, it looks like oh, you know, you're getting beat up. Yep. So I, I'm not mad at the stoppage, but I mean, what a blitz! I mean, very, you know, very quick, very. I mean, she hit hard, dude. It was, yes. it was, it got me, it got me juiced for like watching Gomes' next fight. Yeah, and and especially at 115, right? Because we've Howergy's first fight against uh, Yasmin Lucindo, like she got tagged a lot too, but it didn't look like that. Yeah, you know, so so that's pretty impressive. I do really appreciate though how the ref handled this because two young prospects, you don't need to see somebody go unconscious, right? Howergy can walk out of there saying, "Well, I didn't give up," right? Yep. Was still doing everything I needed to. The ref just stopped it, but it's a great learning experience for her. Right, it's her first loss. It'll be interesting to see how she rebounds from that. Then also Gomes, like, let's see what she's got. I don't think you need to all of a sudden be like, well, great win. She beat a prospect, put her in the top 15. No, I don't think you need to rush her along, especially with how young she is. But man, that like, that's another exciting young female fighter. You know, it's, I truly believe we're starting to see the Ronda effect where all these women were and, and cyborg and, you know, all of these women, Amanda Nunes, that paved the way and now we're seeing those young prospects coming along that grew up on that and it's really exciting to see and then other prospect cameron simon i he's special and you mentioned looking like a child earlier he looks so young he looks so young i think he's only 22 but he's he's really shown his striking in the past he's shown good ground and pound his grappling this time was smooth he did a great job of threatening submissions, like with the the guillotine he had, uh, the the kind of like triangle armbar. Like he he threatened submissions to improve his position, yeah, which was great. In the transition, you know, grabs it, the old Dagestani handcuff, like reaches around, has the wrist control, flattens him out. Right, I mean, just beautiful, beautiful technique. Uh, I would expect we're going to see him. Uh, on the Australia card, just because him and Drickus being on the same team out of South Africa, they always fight on the same card. Yep. So I would, I would anticipate he's going to get a pretty good turnaround. We have another prospect at Bantamweight. And like we talked about on the show last week, we don't need to rush him because there's enough young yeah. Bantamweight prospects. Like he's another one you can bring along slowly, let him get more fights. There's definitely holes in his game. Let him shore those up. He's so young. But another one, I, I want to see this guy fight again tomorrow. Oh, for sure. 
for sure. I mean, yeah, and and you said bantamweight, so yeah, just take him slow. Right? Like we, <laughs> yeah. we got enough going on in bantamweight. I can't I can't stand it. And from young to old, uh, the burr, 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 featured prelim. Uh, what a great capstone for the career, of Robbie Lawler. Uh, you know, he gets inducted into the the Hall of Fame on Thursday for his uh, Thursday night for his fight against Rory McDonald, the second one. You know, arguably the Condit fight could be in the Hall of Fame as well. It just the guy's been doing it for over 20 years. And when when Nico Price initially fell, I was like, oh, that didn't look like that should have put him at down at all. But then the replay happened and one, you saw his head jerk back on the uppercut and it was like, oh, that's not good. Mm. And then you saw the last shot hit behind the ear. You don't face plan if you're taking a dive, right? No, like, no, he, his no. face smacked the ground. Uh, just what a fairy tale ending to to this career and and what a career it's been right like i'm pretty sure he was american top team's first champion which, oh wow. you know yeah a little bit of old hat now uh but he was the first one before Joanna, before woodley you know before any of these other other american top team people got the belt before nunez uh he he was the first and american top team had been a, a huge camp up up until that point and he kind of realized though that goal for him i think ultimately those of us that have watched him for a long time remember the you know the Militich days, right? He's one of the original Bettendorf, Iowa. You know him, Jens Pulver, Tim Sylvia, like that whole crew. Uh, but when you look at where he's fought, fought in the UFC multiple, like two different stints in the UFC. He was in Elite XC. He was in Strike Force, the old Hawaiian promotion icon, which actually had some phenomenal fighters and fights for for a brief stint there. Just pride. he was in the, pride. He fought in pride. Yeah. Think about that. Yeah, he fought in Strike Force and Pride, man. Yeah, he's been around that long, and just the the moments that we've had from him. You know, I don't think the the lip torn up his face in that McDonald fight where he's spitting blood. He's staring him down at the end of it. I mean, one of the all time great fights. The way he just broke McDonald at the end of that fight, right? There's a reason, and it's not skill, that one of those two men was a UFC champion and the other never was. Yeah. And and it's that immeasurable heart grit, right? Like the, for him to do what he did in that fight with his face ripped open, to come on stronger as the fight went on. I mean, just amazing, amazing what he did there. <laughs> the uh, <laughs> post-fight, there's a great, sound clip from that one where you know he's telling guys he feels feels great and his lips all ripped open the cut man's like hey stop talking yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know and he just starts laughing about it uh he has one of my all-time favorite sound clips where they're asking him about uh a conor mcgregor oh fight after God. diaz choked him out and he's like i wouldn't take his neck and they're like well what would you take his soul <laughs> you're like okay well you're crazy <laughs> yeah and it's like if you've if you've never seen that sound clip before uh, or that clip, go look it up. Robbie Lawler talks Conor McGregor uh, just, I mean, cold-blooded. That That's the kind of thing that I don't have in me. Nope. And <laughs> you chew, know just that, chewing too. a piece of gum just says it matter-of-factly. Not like – Robbie Lawler has this thing where it's like he's not going for a soundbite. He's just talking. That's what you, you feel like yeah. he's just – that's just mm -hmm. who I am. And he says it's – yeah, you like to say cold-blooded. Um, his career is amazing, even with the losses, right? Even with – you know, he had he had a pretty bad stint. But yeah. you, you, there's something about Lawler that you just can't help but love. And then watching him get emotional was like, 
Listen, we got to see Amanda Nunez just really recently retire on the way she wanted to. Um, mm-hmm. But we knew Robbie Lawler was going to – I mean, he's been talking about it. And to go out like this, you don't ever want to see someone have to be the you know, the scapegoat for or whatever. Nico Price sucks for him. He got knocked out. That sucks. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, what a story, dude. What a fairy tale ending. And I love the fact that, like, you can hear it in Cormier's voice, too. Like, this is – this doesn't happen. And it's a beautiful moment. The – you know, with all the time that was left on the on the prelim, you know, mm-hmm. to show the the thing in in the in the cage to show his career, yeah. and you're like, God, he used to have hair, you know, stupid shit like that. <laughs> where you're like, I remember these fights, a beautiful career, beautiful send off. I mean, you just can't help but you talk about getting emotional. That that was an emotional moment for me as well. Yeah, and and he's gonna be one of those people that goes down in history. Uh, I mean, he has he was a champion, so like we can't discredit that. But he's going to go down as one of those like cowboy Cerrone types where it's he was in any time, anywhere, always wanted to challenge himself, was never out of a fight. You know, just the and then, yeah, to see him go out like that and, yeah. and just be able to get that back after kind of the the rough run he had towards the end of, the, of his career. Uh, just just awesome. You know, the uh, hats off to to Robbie Lawler. Love to see that such a juxtaposition to when you see guys like from relatively the same era, uh, like a, a Chuck Liddell going out the way he did Vanderlei going out the way he did, Shogun. you know, just, yeah. Shogun really awesome to, to see this. And, and I think, uh, you know, Robbie Lawler's one of those where I, throughout my life, I'm going to go back and watch well, his fights, right? It, like I'll go back and watch Rory, go back and watch the Condit fight, you know? And, and this, the crazy thing, and this is not a knock to Robbie, but he's been successful with it at least, to his level like he never evolved with the sport really like he's Mm -hmm. kind of fought the same right like and and you still root for him like when you see other people that haven't evolved you're like oh it's it's a problem with Robbie we're like cheering for him there's something special about the guy and he got to have his moment and it's like you've been fighting since 2001 it's 2023 you feel like you know you're gonna finish it you can't anybody that's hating on this guy is just like, all right, man, you're miserable with your own life. Like, how can you <laughs> yeah. how can you not be happy with this moment? So, yeah, good for hats him. off Robbie Lawler. And then that takes us into uh, this upcoming card. And now we're going to go from like the highest of highs. Amazing card on paper. To Admittedly, this is not a great card on paper. But for all we know, we'll watch the card and there'll be yeah. crazy finishes and it'll be a, a great fun card. Uh, but it's kind of almost like. You know, you flush the toilet and then it takes a while to reload. This is kind of yeah. going to be like our one week reload. <laughs> this one's before. An oof, this one's an oof card. Like it's it's yeah, it's tough. Yeah, but there are some interesting things on here. Uh, one of which, uh, Chelsea Chandler, she's fighting Norma Dumont now. Norma Dumont, uh, this is that featherweight women's featherweight, which they like didn't have a women's featherweight fight for like a year, and now they're they're having like two within three weeks. Um, but. She, you know, Norma Dumont is the far more established fighter here, but Chelsea Chandler is interesting. She's from Stockton, 209, Stockton motherfucker. <laughs> um, but she carries that power. She has that kind of like Stockton attitude about her. Uh, she hurt Julia Stoliarenko in their last fight. So just be something inter- interesting to to see. Uh, she likes to scrap, you know, so I, I kind of want to see that. Uh, another fighter, Melk Costa is fighting Austin Lingo. He's a lightweight 19 and 6, 0 and 1 in the UFC. He actually took a fight against Tiago Moises on short notice, which is not fun for you know your yeah. your introduction to the UFC. Like you're fighting Tiago Moises. Um got overwhelmed by Moises uh, as it as it went later on into the into the second round. 
He does some nice body work, though. He has a nice spinning uh, back kick to the body. He's a fun fighter. If you go back and watch his fights in LFA, the the fight against Junior Mello, it just ripping the body. I'm, I'm interested to see what he can do with a full camp against competition that he should be fighting. So he'll be somebody to look out for. And then another guy that it's just a very interesting career so far, and that's Atman Isatar. He's fighting Francisco uh, Prado at lightweight. He's the guy for for those of you that that are aware of this. When back on Fight Island, there was uh, he got cut from the UFC because he was in the fighter hotel, gave his wristband to somebody who like broke into the hotel, climbed up balconies, ran into his room, delivered a, a duffel bag, and then left. Uh, to this day, they have not disclosed what's in the duffel bag. Uh, they've asked Isatar about it, and he's very like, when I tell you guys, it's because I want to tell you, not because like some reporter's trying to make me do it. It's kind of weird. Yeah. Um, and and he hasn't really been the same since coming back from that. So you know, it's almost like the the briefcase in in Pulp Fiction. Like <laughs> I want I want to know what what it was, man. Uh, but he has terrifying power terrifying power if you have an opportunity go back and watch his ufc debut against timu pakalan he hits him with an overhand right where pakalan's laying on the ground twitching i mean not just rigid but like you see his legs twitching was down for uh, for minutes uh both his wins in the ufc are, are ko's he was scheduled to fight matt frivola on on fight island and that's when that whole you know, Mission Impossible kind of yeah. thing went down. Uh, he then ended up fighting for Vola two years later, uh, which is when he came back into the UFC and just did not look the same. Physically didn't look the same. Uh, his timing was off, which can be expected on a on a 10 or a two-year layoff. You know, that can be expected, but just didn't quite look the same. So I want to see what Atman Isatar comes back. And then as far as fights to watch, though, probably the one I'm actually most excited about is the the first fight on the main card. We have Terrence McKinney, T-Rex, uh, against Nazim Sadikov. Lightweight fight between the two of these guys. They've had one fight go to a decision, mm-hmm. and, and that's it. It was uh, Sadikov has one win by, by decision. He's 1-0 in the UFC. He has a really varied striking attack. You know, he'll, he hit a, a spin kick to the liver on the contender series that was filthy. Good boggy's violent and has a chin. And McKinney, also very, very violent. You know, the first we saw of him was a second se- seven-second knockout of Steamrolla Matt Frivola in his UFC debut. He's 13-5, and five, which I get is not the greatest record, but all 13 are by finish, five KOs, eight submissions. Uh, you know, he's had two fights of those 18 fights that has left the first round. Uh, knockout power, good grappling. He was an All-American uh, Division II wrestler. Uh, just aggressive. Now he's been knocked out brutally twice with knees up the middle by Ishmael Bonfim and Sean Woodson. I mean, just like stiff face plant <laughs> flying knees up the middle. And then his loss to Drew Dober, which was a fight where he had Dober hurt badly. And we know Dober has a chin. He's got the quagmire head, right? Like my man uh, does not get hurt like that. And he was hurt badly by McKinney. But once again, a, a knee caught him up the middle. It wasn't a flying knee, but caught a knee up the middle that ultimately led to the finishing sequence. This one's going to be fireworks as as long as it lasts, which based on statistics, probably not more than five minutes. Uh, but this is this is going to be a fun one. I'm, I'm really, really excited about this fight. Uh, and then got to talk about the main event. You know, we we acknowledge 
Women's bantamweight is not the most exciting division right now, but we do have a fight of consequence, right? Yeah. Because right now there's there's no title holder. It seems like that's going to be Juliana Pena versus Raquel Pennington. So Holly Holm waiting in the wings. She's been around for quite some time, right? But she's still ranked number three. She's fighting uh, Mayra Buena Silva. Now, Buena Silva has a really nice ground game. You better if you have the words jujitsu tattooed on your body. Uh, but she showed some really good calf kicks against Lena Landsberg, which was a, a new kind of piece to her game. Now she's five, two and one in the UFC. Both her losses came at 125. Now, one of those was to Manon Furo, which we know who Manon Furo is, right? Very, very dangerous fighter. Holmes fought at 145. Mm-hmm. Buena Silva's fought at 125. I think this is actually going to benefit Buena Silva, even though she's the smaller individual, because I do think she was killing herself to get down to to 125. When you look at her, she's just, there's not a lot of weight to cut. Like she's built in a way where there's just not much to cut. And and so I think she was kind of hurting her chances there by, by cutting down. But this is a huge, huge step up in competition for her, right? Holly Holm is one of the, one of the all-time greats in, uh, in women's MMA. You know, she's not who she was. She's in her 40s now, but really, really big step up for Buena Silva. Five rounder, main event. You know, I think Holmes gonna gonna pick her apart on the feet. She just has a much, much more developed striking game. And there's so much on the line for her now. Cause now that Nunes is retired, right? She wins this fight. She can call out the winner of the the title fight. You know, she her only loss since losing to Nunes was to Ketlin Vieira, which was arguably not the right decision. Uh, very, very close fight. So a lot on the line here. You know, I think if Buena Silva wins, I don't I don't think she gets the next shot, but definitely for home. So I would I hope it leads to a much more aggressive Holly Holm. Yeah, I mean, they they have to they these two women need to show up for this division because Usually, when you see a dominant champ leave, you're like, "Oh, the division's exciting again, right?" Like we have a. This is not the case. Um, like you said, Pennington versus a uh, Jelena Pena seems like it's going to happen. Um, so you got to make us believe that you're. I mean, it's a title shot. You don't want to be in a position where they put you know, uh, Shevchenko's next title. You know, trying to get it back on yeah. a non pay per view. So they need to do mm-hmm. something. Um, Unfortunately, Holly Holmes old. At some some point, she's gonna have to show that she's old. Uh, this might not be it. This might not be it. But at some point, we're gonna be like, okay, the game is done for her. Um, so hopefully, it's a great card. You know, like like I'm yeah. not excited about this card really. Hopefully, it's just one of those things you're watching and you're like, fuck, what a great card. But um, this main event, hopefully, hopefully it shows something. Yeah, one of the great parts about an MMA, you. It doesn't have to be great fights on paper, yep. and you could see something spectacular. So uh, we'll see that. Uh, fight announcements. Uh, you know, Last week we talked about uh, Henry Cejudo uh, withdrawing from the fight against Cheeto Vera. There is a replacement now. That's Pedro Munoz. Uh, mm-hmm. That's on the Sterling O'Malley card, UFC 292. Uh, the funny part is, had this fight been announced originally, I think we'd be a lot more excited about it yeah. than... It, Munoz being a replacement for Cejudo, you know, Cheeto's got to get back in the wing column. Let's be real. You know, he has to make a statement against Pedro Munoz. There's too many good fighters at 135. If Cheeto has hopes of a title, right? Like he he needs to do something spectacular. UFC 293 uh, in Sydney, Australia. They officially announced Taitui Vasa versus uh, Volkov. So that'll be, you know, 
heavyweight fireworks strikers it should be fun i think we can anticipate izzy uh, drickus yeah. being the headliner on that card hasn't been announced but i think we can anticipate that and then speaking of headliners uh this will be the last fight announcement we'll leave you with this uh but 295 new york madison square garden i believe is where it will take place uh we have the goat returning john jones stipe miocic I, you know, I I get it. I I would rather see um, Pavlovich against Jones just from a fight standpoint, but I get for legacy. A lot of people say Stipe is the greatest heavyweight of all time, if not the greatest heavyweight, definitely the greatest UFC heavyweight of all time. Uh, so, the, you know, the, this is a legacy fight. Jones has talked about this possibly being his retirement fight, uh, but yay <laughs> yeah dude you i know, mean we, I, i'm we get so to see john jones fight. we get to see jones fight i do want to see i do want to see um jones versus what pavlovich but yeah. I, I want to see jones versus miocic right i want to see this fight because if jones doesn't get to fight miocic then it's going to be well you didn't fight Ngani, you didn't fight Stipe. it's like okay he gets to fight at least one of them and Mm-hmm. You hear people talking about Stipe. He's like, dude, the guy's in shape. He's no, he's not some guy that's just like getting lazy. He's strong. He's he's in shape. Yeah. He he's building up his skill set. Hype that fight up, man! It's John Jones versus Stipe. Yeah. Come on, dude. Yeah, build November eleventh. We too. got yeah, we got four months for that to build. You know, it's a John Jones fight. It's Madison Square Garden. They're gonna put some names on that yes. card. They haven't announced any other fights yet, but I would anticipate. If not another title fight, there being a couple fights of consequence oh, yeah. being added to that card. So really excited for that. You know, I mean, it's, it's fucking John Jones, right? Mm-hmm. Like if we get to see greatness one more time, you know, I hope it's not the last time. But if we do, we're fortunate to see it. Yep. Right. Because the you don't generational talent. You don't see people like John Jones come around very often. So just glad, you know, twice in one year, it's first time in a long time we've seen that from john jones so really really excited for that uh, that does it for fight announcements uh don't forget we have the f update dropping friday nights uh times vary a little bit depending on when the uh, uh when the weigh-ins occur and and when we can uh, get that out to you but all the more reason to follow the podcast so that way you know when it drops and also following us on Twitter at number one BS pod. Uh, you'll be notified of it there as well. Anything else on your end? No, sir. All right. Appreciate y'all. Love and respect. Later.